The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Money in Your Life, the radio program that gives you the insight and motivation to be more successful with all aspects of your personal finances. Your hosts are Brian Farr and Ann Hutchins. Today's program will feature experts and intriguing ideas that will show you how money is actually operating in your life. Now, here are Brian Farr and Ann Hutchins. Hello. You have Money in Your Life, a weekly show about how money influences your life. I'm Ann Hutchins. And I'm Brian Farr. Brian, a few weeks ago, we had a guest on, Richard Wilson, who talked. we talked with about the importance of assembling a financial team. This is a topic that comes up a lot with my clients. As a matter of fact, it's, it's really what I've been working on the most, probably in the last six months. So today, let's talk a little bit about who might be on that team and how our audience and guests can take the first step toward assembling the team or how you can review the team that you have. Yes, this is going to be a, uh, we got we got feedback following the, the last show that, and really realized how important this topic is. Um, there are a lot of different professionals and in, in, uh, it, it can be confusing as to who yeah. to choose and how to choose them. So that's what we're going to, uh, that's what we're going to focus on today. Um, yeah, so we're going to go a little bit, we're going to have a little bit of a conversation about what happens before you even start to assemble your team and what kind of resources you might use and then how to get started. And one of the things that I have spent a lot of time talking to my clients about, Brian, is what, what, how is the money serving you? Before you go to somebody and say, uh, invest my money or do my taxes, it's really important for you to be comfortable with the money and your money story and talking about it, whether it's in good times or whether it's in really uncertain times like we're in right now. Yes. I, I have the same experience with my clients, Anne. And, and, you know, in the shows we've had in recent shows, uh, in emotional currency, um, in the in the show we had uh, last week on money and couples, uh, and, and also in Richard's show, the, the importance of what our, what our values are um, before we get caught up in the choices about what to do, it's like we need to take a few minutes, like you say, to figure out what our financial history is. What's what's it? What when we started working with money when we were teenagers, or when we really were responsible for our money in our twenties? What's some? What are some of those stories? Uh, what are the emotions we have attached to that? Do we feel great about it? Do we feel a little embarrassed about some of the choices we made? And what I've learned is when I sit with clients and have that conversation the underlying values also come up. The values that, that people have, what's important to them in their life and how money is working towards that 
or maybe not so much that, that, that they haven't been able to focus their their personal finances to be in alignment with their values. Exactly. That's exactly right. One of the effective tools that I use with clients is writing a money story. And it can start anywhere you want in your life. But what what most people find effective is starting it really with their first memories of money and how yes. those were developed and what emotions come up around it. Yes. And we talk a lot about emotions and maybe that sounds like therapy, but, but the importance of this conversation that we're encouraging you to have is that you separate the emotions from the actual fact of the money. If you look at what your money story is, I bet that there about 80% of the content, if you write down your money story, is going to be emotion yes. rather than fact. Yes. If we don't, if we can't separate them apart, the risk is that we'll be making quote unquote factual decisions thinking we're just using the facts when in fact the, the push, the energy underneath it will be from some sense of some kind of an emotion. And, and it could be, you know, over excitement, uh, anticipation, or it could be from the other side of fear and scarcity. But until we can pull those apart, we're, we're going to have our decisions are going to be confusing to us when we look at them later. Well, why did I decide to do that? And lo and behold, it'll be the emotions underneath it. Or something that comes up a lot with my clients is turning the decision over to a quote unquote expert, you know, a financial advisor or a tax consultant or even a, an attorney who is so an estate attorney. You're saying that that the the turning it over to an expert is in somehow kind of a uh, oh an unconscious wish that somebody will take care of this for me. Well, sometimes I actually because I don't have the background that you do in therapy, I actually try to investigate but not uncover the reasons for it. Okay. What we do is we talk about we talk about what might that what might it feel like if you were taking the decision for your money? What mm -hmm. might it be like if you thought you knew, if you were sure that you knew more about money? Because in a lot of cases, what my clients will say is, I don't know anything about money. Mm -hmm. And the fact of the matter is that we, every one of us deals with money every single day, and we have a lot more knowledge about money than we are willing or yeah. sometimes than is clear to us. Yes, I agree. I think that, and I think where my question is coming from, it seems there are experts on money, no doubt about it. There are people who spend their, their, their every day of their week, you know, that's, this is their focus. And so it's easy for people who aren't um, focused on money in, you know, once a month, they need to make a decision to do that, or they need to make choices even less frequently than monthly about, you know, where to invest their retirement funds or what to do about the mortgage, that kind of a thing. It can be overwhelming. Um, so I think that they, they, this process of sorting through as to, okay, what's really important to me and, and to get to that before we get caught up with thinking that, okay, I've got an expert now. I don't have to think about it anymore. 
Yeah, and the you know besides the money story, one of the tools that I use with my clients is looking at where they're spending their money, and yep. and where they're spending their money sometimes is not where their values are. Yes. For example, they may be spending a lot of money on eating out. And that may fulfill a value of just of of community or of uh, socialization, but mm-hmm. but there is another value that they they wish they would could travel more. For example, I had one couple who really liked to travel, but they didn't feel like they had enough money. And the conversation was, how can you make small shifts in what your what you're spending your money on so that it begins to serve the things that make you feel good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Those, those kinds of, um, that kind I, I call it Sherlock Holmes work. Yep. It's, it's actually tracking where the dollars go and getting a sense of, of, okay, what does this tell me about myself? What does this tell me about, maybe it's convenience, maybe it's necessity because my schedule is so slammed that I'm spending money this way. Okay, now I know that's what it is. Let me see if I can rework it so that I can have the money for, whether it's travel or get some more education or be, be setting aside a little money for an emergency savings. Yeah. Um, there's all these different things. Yeah, and that's what you talk about importance. You know, when we talk about values, one of the values that I that that comes up a lot with my clients is that uh, stability or some kind of uh, certainty isn't really the right word, but the having an emergency fund just gives some clients that comfort that says, okay, if I have a flat tire, then I have the funding to buy a new tire. I have this set aside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a big, the, the risk with not having an emergency fund is that that, that flat tire, that, um, that kind of a um, emergency then ends up on the credit card. And so then you've got $500 here or $200 or 1000 or $1,200 that go onto the credit card. And for people who are living pretty close where, you know, income and expenses are running neck and neck each month, that gets to be a, a hole that, um, uh, that people can fall into and then it's hard to get out of it. Well, and it brings, it starts a cycle of being reactive instead of proactive. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you're reacting and it and it's really hard. It, it is really hard work at the beginning to push away the myriad of messages that you're bombarded with by marketers, by your kids, maybe by your spouse. Yep. It is really hard to have, but this is why we've been encouraging the conversations and a regular communication between you and your spouse and family meetings where there is a, a family unit. If you're single, developing a team or that we'll talk about in a minute, or even if you're devo- divorced, having a conversation or some kind of communication around funding with your ex-spouse, particularly if there are children that are yeah. that are beneficiaries. Yes. It's just really important. Yeah. 
You know, Anna, I'd like to take a moment here before we get into the specifics around these these team members to say another piece around um, values or passions or needs, whatever language you want to use, that that there are a couple of tools out there that I find myself using uh, that, that can help people in a real simple way identify what's really important to me and how can I make that part of my navigation system when I am making money decisions. Great. Uh, you mentioned the one that's that's writing out a money story, uh, the money history. That is that is a tried and true, and it's really it's one that people, we, uh, as our guest last week said, we can talk about money in different ways, but rarely do people step back and get a set, uh, an overview of their money history, and then what happens by getting an overview? There's there's those moments of, oh, that's what's going on. Or that's what happened then, and this is, I don't want to do that again. Or else, that was good, I want to do more of it. Um, I know when I did a bunch of this work myself for the first time in the mid-1990s, and then since then in working with clients, the, the money history continues to be one of the best tools. And, you know, obviously it's as simple as can be. Um, so that's that's one, and and I hear you, uh, you know, agreeing with me, and so you've had history with that also in working yeah. with clients. Yeah, completely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's a real eye opener for a lot of people when they, when they realize where emotion plays a part in it, and can start to recognize and develop. And this is where coaching comes in handy where your financial support system, where even your spouse or close friends come in handy of developing a system or something that just makes you stop and not go down the same emotional track that you've gone down all your life. Mm -hmm. So you begin to rewrite the money story and that's, that is the, the point of it all. Yeah. There's a book uh, by uh, Ted and Brad Klontz called uh, The Financial Wisdom of Ebenezer Scrooge. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a slim little volume that, that can walk people through the, uh, this, you know, in, in Ebenezer Scrooge, that's Christmas past, Christmas present, and Christmas future. And they use that storyline to talk about money past, money present, and money future. Uh, and and my, some of my favorite books are very slim, and this is one of them. It doesn't take a lot of time to read it, and there's some good, some good suggestions in there for uncovering these money stories. Yeah. And another one is Kate Levinson's Emotional Currency. Lots of really great exercises. And the subtitle is that it's for women, but I will tell you, it works for women. It works for men. It works for kids. Yep. It's just, it's, it's some sort of a tool. Sometimes I think of these kinds of books, these kinds of questions, they're like a wooden spoon stirring the soup. Yep. We can have this this money thing sitting there, and until we stir it up and get to know it a little better, um, there's things down at the bottom of the pot that that can have an influence, but we don't really know what they are. Yeah, and it start it helps you begin to uh, to stop asking the question or having that wistful if only. Mm-hmm. And what I tell clients is we're here to sort out the responsibility. There's some that is institutional and there's some that is your responsibility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Yep. And to, to get to get clear on that. So when you're sitting with an advisor, which we're going to talk about here after we come back from the break, when you're sitting down with your professional advisor, when you're more clear on what's important to you and uh, what's your what's your part of it and what's the other, you know, what's the professional's responsibility. One, one of my favorite phrases from couples counseling, I think, is also true in working with professionals. I'm 100 percent responsible for my 50 percent. So being clear on what my 50% is and then fully engaging the uh, what I need to do to take responsibility for that. And then what that does is it frees up the professional to be more effective for you. The professional gets that. They know, okay, the, this, is, this is a client who's really ready to show up and take responsibility for their half of this thing. And then it lets the professional do a much more effective job for right. what they're responsible for. Exactly. Well, we're going to have to uh, take out for a break right now, but we will be back and continue this conversation. In the meantime, you have money in your life with Brian Farr and Ann Hutchins, and we'll be back in a few minutes. Do you have financial goals for yourself? Do you want to be smart with money in all areas of your life? If you're ready to become more effective with your personal finances, then you might be ready to hire a financial coach. Since 2002, Brian Farr has helped hundreds of people improve their relationship with money. He's unbiased, honest, and approachable. If you'd like to learn more about financial coaching, visit Brian's website and schedule a free 15-minute consultation at www.brianhfarr.com. The goal of financial coaching is to open up the conversation around money with your spouse, your children, or your extended family. Ann Hutchins works with individuals, families, and financial professionals to improve relationships with money. Her work with clients is confidential, honest, and fun. Visit Ann's website and schedule a free 15-minute consultation at www.abhutchins.com. That's abhutchins.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Money in Your Life with Brian Farr and Ann Hutchins. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to moneyinyourliferadio at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. You have money in your life. This is Brian Farr and Ann Hutchins. Today, we're talking about assembling your team. This is actually part two of this conversation because it's such an important conversation. And what team are we referring to? We're talking about the team of financial advisors, the financial service professionals that help us navigate through this um, terrain. I'll call it a terrain of financial decisions. So we started we started earlier by talking about the importance of our values and and uh, and the emotions and finding some tools, some ways to get uh, familiar with those so we can be more effective in using our financial advisors. And then in the second half of the show, or in this next segment now, we're going to talk more specifically about working with advisors. Absolutely. And we're going to we 
are going to talk specifically about working with advisors, and we are going to hopefully have people on or talk to you about case studies of people who have worked with advisors mm-hmm. and, or financial, wh- whoever your financial team is, who are those professionals that are on your team? And we'll give you some resources. So, okay. And we've got a caller right now. Uh, the uh, he's been patiently holding. So, if we can have our caller come online, and then we'll carry on with the discussion. Hi, this is Ken. Hello, Ken. You have money in your life. Yes. Hi, great. Ken. Great. Um, I guess the contribution that I wanted to make was to just talk about what uh, approach that I use personally uh, in terms of a team. And uh, just by way of background, I was a financial advisor myself, um, and I left that industry about two years ago and now work as a banker, uh, not doing financial advising, but uh, as, a, as a commercial banker. And okay. I guess I'd describe my approach as, uh, uh, again, having had the, the education and the background as a financial advisor, I have a lot of advantages that the most individuals might not, but still, I think my my approach might be helpful as a bit of a case study. And I I, I refer to it as a bit of a modified do-it-yourself approach, in that um, I, I trust it's okay to mention names of institutions. Yes, sure, yeah, certainly. Yeah, it's just so that people know that they're they're not being endorsed by us, but it's really important to talk about your experience. Okay, yeah. So, um, having been an advisor, I'm I'm very aware of the the financial incentives and and how financial advisors are compensated, and and I opted to uh, move my portfolio to uh, Fidelity, um, and at Fidelity, I have, and it, there were there were other choices, of course. Uh, I have a a live person. That that I can meet with here in the city where I live. Uh, and so I, I try and do that about at least twice a year, but sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes more frequently. I, I just met with my advisor uh, recently. And I, I do that really as a, uh, as a check-in with the advisor to, first of all, to, to tweak uh, the asset allocation that I have and really to get an, an, another person's view on, on my positions. I've, in, in my past, I've made investing mistakes really uh, you know, you started off the program talking about the emotional component, which I think is just the, the most important part of it, uh, falling in love with a position. I used to work oh, at yeah. a bank, and I, I owned way too much stock of that particular bank. And when we had our financial crisis, I lost a lot of money because I really had fallen in love with uh, that position. I, I wasn't diversified. And so I'm aware that having made that mistake uh, again, I could certainly, uh, having made that mistake in the past, I could certainly make it again. And so I really value um, those meetings I have with my advisor to to say, you know, am, am I am I missing something? Am I emotionally stuck on a position? And um, one where um, she gave me some guidance uh, was uh, about a year ago to get out of the gold, some of the gold positions that I had. And I, I was never much of a gold fan, but um, but I was still slow in following that advice. So it, it took a second meeting until I actually finally got out of that, and a second meeting, and you know, five figure loss later. Um, so uh, yes. Ken, I just want to uh, in, interrupt for one second and thank you for that. But can you just back us up a minute and maybe for folks who have less experience with in the financial world, what went into your decision about hiring Fidelity in particular? I mean, what kind of it, 
what I always talk to you about with my clients is it's really the interview process is really important when you're talking about hiring an advisor, whether, whether it's a modified do-it-yourself or whether it's for to have somebody totally manage your portfolio. And Richard talked about five C's, which were uh, an advisor that's committed, consistent, provide references, confident listener, centered, and contributing. Did can you talk a little bit about what was important to you in hiring a manager? Um, I, I guess the, the the important things for me were um, I had a very clear understanding of their of their compensation and how they were compensated. Or in, in this case, there's there's fairly minimal compensation at at uh, at this particular firm uh, based on what. Uh, decisions I make, and so I really, I really liked that. That was really important to me, so that I felt that the the decisions or the the, the recommendations I were was receiving were not uh, a function of how much compensation that advisor was going to make based on that. So just so just for clarification, for those who may be less familiar, you were looking for a, a an advisor who was not compensated based on the trades that you were doing, uh, or or being recommended exactly. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that was that was an important uh, an important consideration, and really someone who um, who had an opinion. It's like uh, I, I liken it to when you go to a restaurant and you ask what's good on the menu, and they say everything's great on the menu. I really love it when uh, I have a financial advisor who says, "I don't like that position you have. I think you should do A, B, or C." I, I want someone with a with an opinion, and then I want to use my own uh, discernment to to either take or not take that advice. But I really want wanted someone who was was opinionated. I, I appreciate that. And did you get references for this particular advisor? In this case, I, I interviewed a couple of them. Uh, I did not go that route again because of my own background and my own uh, feeling of, you know, I feel like I can do 70 or 80 percent of this on my own. But if I if I didn't have that confidence, I would certainly want that. Absolutely. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So, uh, so that's, that's one piece of it. Uh, the, the other piece that's Important to me is is having uh, a tax advisor uh, that can can be helpful on there's you know there's a lot of decisions around things like Roth IRAs and rollovers and um, healthcare savings accounts and things like that that uh, where where having a tax advisor uh, can can really be helpful and so uh, I I do a lot of my own tax research myself but then I also have the the CPA that does my taxes that uh, I will reach out to as well so um, that's that's the the modified DIY approach that I take. Ken, if, if I could ask, because this is a key issue, I'm in, in 100% agreement that, that given the complexity of the tax code, we need to have professional help. What, what was your process of, of locating uh, your, your CPA, your tax advisor? Uh, I, I guess word of mouth and, and interviewing um, the, the, the advisor, the, the tax fellow that uh, – 
that I uh, use currently is just one that, that came well recommended. I interviewed him, and uh, I guess over time I've stayed with him because uh, he has been able to, to give advice that, that was actionable, that was, he understood the, the questions that I, was, that I was making. They were sometimes decisions that actually caused my taxes to go up in a particular year, but had a long-term benefit uh, of, I think, greatly reducing a future tax burden. So some tax advisors are, are very year-to-year, I think. You know, oh, you don't want to do that. You'll have to pay more taxes this year. And I wanted someone who could say, yeah, it's great. You pay more taxes this year, but you've got it into, you've converted a, a traditional IRA into a Roth, and you did it at a good time at a good tax uh, tax rate. So that's right. the kind of thing I was right. looking for. Yeah, what so, you're bringing up is really important is, <coughs> excuse me, is finding somebody who fits your style. Yes. Yeah. Really important. And it's important also to do what you did, which is doing your own due diligence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Google, yeah exactly. Google is a great is a great tool for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, it, I, I think for, for people, you know, I talk to a lot of friends and family around around this kind of stuff. And I, I really encourage folks to, to find, um, you know, fee fee only advisors. Um, you know those who who can uh, can give you clear feedback without having necessarily a financial stake in the decision. Um, but as you were saying before, most folks don't really um, don't really have a good financial uh, IQ, and so financial advisors play a, an incredibly important role. And and I really found that it, it's the role of being uh, a, an emotional support and sort of a sanity check in. Um, so that's yes. Yeah. One of the things, too, I like what you said, Ken, is is when you started the process, you asked around for names. This was for the CPAs, and I'm guessing it was similar for the financial advisors. Asking who, you know, asking amongst the folks that you know or doing some research so you could get some referrals and then going to have a meeting that's that's essentially an interview meeting, kind of like a first date. You don't have expectations of signing up for their business. That would be my that's always my recommendation. Don't expect to fall in love on the first date, but have the first date with your CPA with, the you know, and go out to two or three and then make your decision of who you want to work with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. The other the other thing, Ken, that you said, which is another important thing, is having a plan and doing a check in on an annual or semi-annual basis. When you first start with somebody, it's likely to be more frequent. But over time, have that have those meetings and have the conversation about whether you're on plan or something needs to be shifted or something in your life has changed that Mm -hmm. would demand a shift. Mm -hmm. One other thing that came up when we were talking to Richard was a recommendation that people get all their advisors together if possible to have one meeting because decisions can get made piecemeal sometimes is that something that you ever do uh, I haven't but I, I think it makes I think it makes a lot of sense uh, um, particularly for uh, folks with more complicated situations where there's a number of family members where there's a couple with kids uh, um, I, I think that that's that's a, a very good idea mm-hmm. but I've not done nope. it one of the things that I that I talk to my clients a lot about is remember you're the client, you know. So asking for a meeting of a couple of professionals and asking how that's going to be, how who pays for it, how it gets done, you get to have that conversation, and you don't know until you ask how mm-hmm. it's going to be structured. 
Yeah, yeah. exactly. And and then the the other participant, I would say, would for most folks would be an estate planning attorney. Yes, because that's yeah. that's a, a really yeah. important ingredient that that most people miss. You know, and, and in my work in the field, the 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 other professionals are almost. I, I haven't heard of people who aren't willing to do that. You know, professionals are glad to get in on, um, you know, get be part of the team and make sure that there's good overlap and 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 the clients being served fully by this team. Yep. Absolutely, yeah. and the estate planning attorney will give that longer view. Yep. Yes, it, it may yeah. be a multi-generational view. What I encourage my clients, especially those with uh, children and grandchildren, we're so mm -hmm. used to taking a three to five year view and to take a, a generational view is is really important as well. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. OK, well, Ken, thank you very much. You're I appreciate welcome. your phone call. My pleasure. Thanks Take a lot. Ken. Bye -bye. Good to hear from you this morning. Yes. Okay, and let's see, we have just a few minutes left before the break. Um, there was one thing that, that Ken mentioned that, that I think is, is important. In addition to fee-only financial advisors, there are certified financial planners who work on an hourly fee. And so you don't have to get all, you don't have to transfer your, you know, your 401k over to their accounts. And I have found those to be good team members for a lot of my clients. Maybe, uh, Brian, if you explain what fee only is for those who might not know. Well, that's that it. Thank helpful. you. The, the fee only are people, are the financial advisors who are paid based on a simple percentage of the assets under management. So if you have $100,000 in your uh, 401k, then the it would be typical that's one or one and a half percent, sometimes down below 1%. And that would be their fee regardless of the buying and selling that occurred in that account. Yeah. So fee only is one model. The old traditional model was that the um, uh, customer would pay on a per transaction basis. And it's probably 30 years ago that they started moving more towards the fee only. And now there's different blends of it. But the one that the point that I'm wanting to make here is that they're all also professional financial planners who will work. You can buy one or two or three hours of their time and then answer the specific questions you need. And many times I will send clients over to them to look at the long term, like you were mentioning, and looking out at 10 and 20 year time horizons. Those yeah. are the folks, those hourly CFPs, sometimes they can they can be the ones that just give you enough, um, enough of an overview, enough perspective so that you, you can feel comfortable that you're you're on the right track. Or they may raise the red flag and say, oops, you need to be doing something different here at this point in time. Exactly. And those hourly people, don't let a the lack of a financial plan or somebody's willingness or look for an hourly financial planner who can help you get on the right track. If you have a plan, then you can decide how you're going to implement it. But don't uh, don't have don't let the lack of a plan be a reason for not moving forward. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. These professionals are good for, uh, for, for that process, creating that absolutely. process. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Brian, it looks like we're going to have to take another break right here, but we will be okay. back with more about resources and you have money in your life with Brian Farr and Ann Hutchins.
The goal of financial coaching is to open up the conversation around money with your spouse, your children, or your extended family. Ann Hutchins works with individuals, families, and financial professionals to improve relationships with money. Her work with clients is confidential, honest, and fun. Visit Ann's website and schedule a free 15-minute consultation at www.abhutchins.com. That's abhutchins.com. Do you have financial goals for yourself? Do you want to be smart with money in all areas of your life? If you're ready to become more effective with your personal finances, then you might be ready to hire a financial coach. Since 2002, Brian Farr has helped hundreds of people improve their relationship with money. He's unbiased, honest, and approachable. If you'd like to learn more about financial coaching, visit Brian's website and schedule a free 15-minute consultation at www.brianhfarr.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Money in Your Life with Brian Farr and Ann Hutchins. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to moneyinyourliferadio at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. and Brian Farr. This has been a show about resources following up on an earlier conversation we had with our guest Richard Wilson. And so far we've talked about the importance of identifying your values and we've we had a caller who talked about how he identified both a financial advisor to work with and a state attorney and a CPA. And in this segment we're going to talk a little bit more about resources. But before we go on, Brian, I think you had a question that you wanted to go over. You know, you mentioned the five C's that uh, that uh, Richard introduced to us a couple of weeks ago. And I'm wondering if you could walk us through that, Anne, because that's a, in terms of the five C's being good things to, to check in with yourself when you're interviewing uh, your financial professional, potential for financial pro- professional, or actually reviewing how they're doing for you. Absolutely. I think one of the things that, so the five C's were finding a financial professional who is committed, who is consistent, meaning they show up at the right time or at their appointed time, they have the same message all the way along as you're working with them. And they are, they basically have your back. They provide reference. They can provide references. That's where the C comes in, can provide references. Okay. They, they are a confident listener. And this is important when you have a meeting with somebody and they're doing all the talking, but not asking you what your values are, what your goals are, what your situation is, and actually listening when you're talking, it's sometimes a red flag. So let me clarify. It's He's saying a competent listener. A confident listener. Confident listener. Yeah. Okay. Well, competent, competent works too, but confident. Yeah. Okay. Uh, somebody who is centered. And remember before we were talking about emotional having making emotional decisions around money well advisors are human beings 
And you want somebody who, when things are falling apart or when things are great, still stays centered on what his job is and what your job is and what okay. your goals are. Okay. And also somebody who is contributing. So there's a back and forth discussion between you and your advisors or advisor so that it feels like a conversation and not a lecture or not somebody who's absent, somebody that you hear from on a regular basis and who you're not afraid to ask questions of when you don't understand things. Because advisors speak in, in financial speak. There's a language around it. And too often I have had clients who say, I, I just, uh, you know, I don't feel like I should ask a question because I don't want him to think I'm stupid. Well, you're his client and it's yep. your money. So mm -hmm. you get to ask any question that you want to. Okay. And these, this... these five, these are really important for any advisors that you are going to be interviewing. Mm -hmm. So let me go through the list real quick. Yep. Committed. So it's the first one is committed. Yes. Consistent. Can provide references. A confident or competent listener. Someone who is centered and someone who is contributing. So it's actually right. six we've it's, got there. Yeah, it's six yeah. C's. That can provide yeah. references is pushing it a little bit, but that, yeah. so that those, works. And, yeah. and just to clarify, you know, committed means somebody who is committed to you to the long term. Mm -hmm. If you are with a firm and you're constantly getting a different advisor or an account advisor, then it may be time to look somewhere else mm -hmm. for somebody who is going to be with you over a long term to, to help you realize your goals. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Anne, we have an email here, and this is a perfect time to introduce this email. Um, it's from, uh, his name is Dick, and he says that he was a uh, CPA and then became an investment advisor. So he has been a financial professional, well, 20 years as a CPA and now 20 years as an investment advisor. And so he says the two things that he looks for, number one, personal connection and trust. His his suggestion is, as you talk to potential investment advisors, pay attention to the personal connection. Do they show interest in you as a person? Do they listen carefully and actively to you? Do you feel a rapport developing to the extent where you believe the advisor will want to know and thoroughly understand your feelings about money? It is critically important to find an advisor who wants to understand your dreams and aspirations. From this will come trust on your part that you have found someone with whom you will be willing to share your very personal financial and emotional information about yourself and your family. If you don't feel trust and rapport emerging as you interact with a potential advisor, then you are not right you then they are not the right choice for you. Yeah, and too often I've seen clients think that this is fluffy stuff. You know, uh, I, you know that's that's the emotional stuff. I shouldn't be talking about who this person is, or I should just be looking at their returns over time. And uh, you know, my my friend said that they got a really great return with this guy, and I don't understand what he's talking about. But if he gets me a good return, then that's fine. 
-hmm. this is this is an overlay that's really important is what is your personal rapport with that person and one of the recommendations that i read a while ago that i think is still a good one is advisors quite often you know personal advisors they they want to take clients out when they have an annual meeting they want to take clients out to a nice restaurant and sit down and have lunch and sort of talk about the portfolio and the recommendation that was given to me is as a client first ask for the meeting and then you can do the social oh okay you begin to see how what your rapport is both in the business of your finances and in that social setting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Okay. You know, this fits in with the second thing. Uh, the, the person who's written, I, I had a chance to read the whole email. Now this is Dick Toich at Arcadia Financial Advisors. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, so in his next section, he says, don't accept language you don't completely understand. A competent advisor who you can grow to trust can and should have the ability to explain explain things in clear layman's language. Yep. Isn't that great advice? That is really great advice. And whether it's a CPA, whether it's an estate attorney, or whether it's a financial advisor, if you mm-hmm. don't understand something and they can't explain it to you, mm-hmm. then keep asking until they do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I, you brought up a very important point that for some folks, that for some people, they're going to say, "Oh, I don't want to pay. I don't. I don't have time for this." You know, my brother-in-law says this is a good guy. I'm just going to go with him. Or you know, this this woman is has a great track record. She was you know top ten advisor in my city. That kind of a thing. And I think the the importance of slowing down at the front end. And doing this kind of exploration with a CPA, with a financial advisor, um, that it can't be overstated because this could be a person that you work with for 20 or 30 years. Yeah, Uh, and the the peace of mind that you will get is really worth the time. I mean, if you think about it, what I talk about with my clients is think about it as a treasure hunt. mm -hmm. In this morass, and you've described this as a blizzard of information. And it's Mm -hmm. truly in the financial world now, individuals and families are being asked to make more decisions than they ever have in their lives before. And there are more choices. Mm -hmm. So if you can slow down and find somebody that can help you navigate through that blizzard, you will be in such better shape over Mm -hmm. the long run. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So thank you, Dick Toich. I appreciate you taking the time and sending in this email with uh, such clear, um, clear advice from your world of experience. That's right. Brian, if I can just touch on a couple of resources, because we t- said we would give clients resources and uh, how to Good. get started. And again, this is not an endorsement, but these are, these are, ident- these are resources that have been identified as being real. Uh, independent Mm -hmm. and a good place to start. And we really urge you to do your own due diligence and to make sure that these uh, resources may fit for you. So if you're looking for a financial advisor, there are three resources we can talk 
two. One is uh, just Google NAPFA, which is the National Association of Professional Financial Advisors, to find somebody in your area. Another is the Garrett Network, which is a network of independent fee-only financial advisors. And the third is Main Street, which also is a nationwide uh, network of fee-only financial advisors. For CPAs, the best way to find a good CPA that I've found is ask people that you admire. Ask people who seem to know their financial story and are on target and then and then supplement that with your due diligence. Mm -hmm. As I said before, Google is a really great is a really great tool. And before you hire anybody, just Google them or look them up on LinkedIn or even maybe on Facebook and, and see what and you can could, find. Can you be a little more specific? What what is it that you're suggesting people do when they're on Google? I'm suggesting that they just type in somebody's name. I heard the story the other day of somebody who had the a name had been recommended to them for a financial advisor and she she met with him and she wasn't quite comfortable. He seemed like he had a nice office. He seemed like he knew the language and knew what he was doing, but there was something about him she wasn't completely comfortable with, but she was going to hire him because of the friend that she that had given her the reference was uh, she thought very highly of. So just out of curiosity, she Googled his name and the the litany of complaints against him that she found on Google were, she couldn't believe it. Okay. And so that was an important thing to okay. miss. Just to take an extra step and regardless yeah. of who, who, where the referral came from to get a little bit more background on him via the, the wonders of, of Google. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and again, yeah. pay attention to your own internal radar. If mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like it's the right person, then there are there are lots of other advisors out there. Yeah, uh, yeah, that you Dick, can you can find. That was one of the comments that uh, that Dick Toich said in his email, uh, Dick from Arcadia, that the. Um, that 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 trusting your own intuition. If it doesn't feel like they're speaking a language you can understand, or that you can open up and talk about your dreams and your hopes for the future, then 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 it's going to be um, you're not going to get the full value of having a, a financial advisor, someone who's really yeah. on your team. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And also look at your banking relationship and how you how you treat how your money is treated and in the bank and how you how you do transactions, you mm -hmm. know, and mm -hmm. look around and, and just make sure that they're supporting you. And mm -hmm. banks are also good places to go for financial advisors. Some of, sometimes there is a private wealth group in a bank and sometimes they have financial planners or can recommend an independent financial planner. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and this this is what's coming to mind. I'm glad I remembered this here. Writing down your questions before yeah. you go in to meet with a professional um, is is enormously valuable because there's a lot of things that can happen. You can, you know, just move from this topic to that topic and they have a presentation that they want to make to you. And so to have a list of, it might be as many as six or eight questions that you want to make sure you cover. And so to sit down with a financial professional and fold out your piece of paper or you, if you've got it in your handheld and your smartphone, but something that can you remind you to work all the way through your list 
and then you will have the opportunity to walk away from that meeting knowing, being confident that you covered what's important to you. Absolutely. So that one, that that's that it may seem very simple, but writing down your questions before the meeting, and then another benefit of that, you can ask the same set of questions to the second and third person that you're interviewing for your finance to become your financial advisor, or that you're interviewing to become the CPA. There's a consistent consistency when you create a written list of questions. Absolutely. And you begin to notice how people answer the questions. The first interview, as any interview, the first interview may be the hardest. Mm -hmm. But having a consistent list of questions allows you to compare the answers and you become knowledgeable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really, and again, think about it as a treasure hunt. It's going to take time, and you, so if you give yourself a period of time and not think that you need to get it done in one day, but give yourself some time in order to do it in a, in a way that respects the relationship that you're going to have over time. My clients, yes. yeah. you know, they take between six months and a year to assemble their team. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, to to slow down and allow yourself the uh, opportunity to do that. Okay, and we are going to need to wrap up. Um, It has been, I'm so glad that we've revisited this topic. Assembling your team is an important piece in in financial security, uh, developing both for the present and for the future. So uh, thank you to the caller and to the uh, emails that we had today. Um, Absolutely. And if you have other questions in follow-up, please don't hesitate to send us an email at my at moneyinyourliferadio at gmail.com. We'd love mm-hmm. to hear from you. Yes, yes. And uh, for some of you who, who haven't had the chance yet, if you go to our uh, the host page, go to the uh, Voice America webpage for our show, for Money in Your Life, you'll have the opportunity to see the list of previous programs. And if you've missed any of our earlier programs, you can listen to those. There's show descriptions that'll give you information and you can make your choice from that. So, Anne, as always, it's a pleasure working with you. Absolutely. Um, We will be back next week with more interesting material to discuss for this topic, Money in Your Life. So, thank you for joining us. You have money in your life. Thank you for making Money in Your Life part of your financial plan this week. Please join your hosts, Ann Hutchins and Brian Farr, again next Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.